music, dance, theater. It's time to take a seat on the aisle with Tom Alvarez. Hear from performers, producers, presenters, and creators who enrich our lives in the performing arts. Who's on stage? Here is Tom Alvarez to introduce you. Hello, and welcome to On the Isle with yours truly, Tom Alvarez. My guest today is Dustin Klein, my artistic collaborator, co-owner and operator of Klein and Alvarez Productions, LLC, and most importantly, my friend. Dustin is a pianist, singer, educator, songwriter, music director, and producer. Join me as I go on the aisle to chat with Dustin about our experiences together as creative partners. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Welcome, Mr. Dustin Klein. Well, thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. So this is the cool thing about having one's own podcast. You get to shamelessly promote whatever you want, <laughs> right? That is true. So let's like proceed and let's um, share our journey because we've had we've had a really interesting journey, which has led us to this uh, to this juncture. The listeners heard the introduction about all the various hats you wear and your accomplishments. But let's uh, talk about uh, Klein and Alvarez Productions. But the whole idea is to tell people about our work and then discuss some particular projects that we've worked on in the past and are working on now. So that's kind of where we're going with this to our listeners. So um, you're going to get a peek inside uh, a friendship and a a business relationship, an artistic collaboration, if you will. So, uh, once again, how did we meet? Well, yes, we were at a party. I believe it was a holiday party. Yep. Oh, good. Um, as I'm getting older, my memory, gosh, it's been, what, eight years? But you need to back up. We technically met when you played the piano <sighs> yes. at a... An open house gathering, right. a business, right? I was playing piano at an architect firm uh, party I was hired for, and I remember meeting there. And then we were at a party after that, and we started talking about musicals and theater and just show business and realized we had a connection, a lot of similarities in our, our passions and interests. And then, boy, before long, we were hanging out and talking and 
and going to shows. And then I had this children's book that I was writing a little play for and showed let's, Tom. Let's and, back up just yeah. a bit because I think they'll find it interesting that uh, because I'm a reviewer, I often am given a plus one ticket. So I think the first show that I invited you to, and there have been many, many, many since, was Wizard of Oz. Oh, Because yes. a friend of yours, That's Elizabeth, right. let's give a shout out to Elizabeth Dawn. Yes, she Elizabeth Dawn Scoble, Bennett. And she played the Wicked Witch. And so when I invited you to that show, you said, oh, my friend Elizabeth's in it. So, of course, that was our first time together. And mm -hmm. I remember afterwards... You know, I asked you to tell me what you thought about the show. And then I realized in that conversation, and then many, there were more afterwards, that, huh, we, we, we sort of had the same reaction to the show. We had similar, I could tell that we had a lot in common in terms of our, I think we figured that out at the party, though. Yeah, that we have very similar artistic similar, tastes. Similar knowledge, taste, and, and aesthetics, if you will. Mm -hmm. So, but anyway, I wanted to establish that that's kind of what was the basis of what was to happen later as we, you know, you continued to go more shows with me and that was kind of, we had a friendship, but it wasn't until you, the story you're going to tell where it went further. Right. Yes. Yes. And, um, we just, it's one of those things that's kind of fate. I think it's amazing that you meet someone, you know, at a party or a random event and not even knowing it's going to be the next nine years of your life, you know, of friendship and, and creating. We met such in 2015, things. but it was 2016, I think, when we were going to, this thing that you're going to tell us about happened. Yeah. So, gosh, I think about all the things I think we've done now, we've written and produced. What fourteen productions? Seventeen. Seventeen. Oh, see, I've lost. I've lost track. Yeah. Um, but back to the. But the original. Yeah. Yeah. So what started all this magic, the Klein and Alvarez, uh, was which it really that's what I feel it's been. I mean, it's just both of our we both had talents that just gelled together. I think that made it uh, easy for us to create things for the stage and and. Uh, I was I was asked I was at or the Orchard School teaching for twenty years and I was asked to write a children's play about an artist named Alexander Calder and I didn't know who he, who he was you know I thought well so I was reading this children's book called Sandy Circus and I was writing a play and as I looked at the illustrations I, it was so theatrical and I was just mesmerized by it and I remember showing you at my house at the piano at the grand piano I said look at this book. I'm writing this play, and you had known who Calder was, actually. And then you said, well, this should be a musical. This could be easily be a musical. And I, I had the same visions. Like, you know, there's Paris, and there's New York, and there's the circus, and it's got something for everybody. It's got kid characters, and the whole thing was just and – the, and the theme of, of, the show, of the story was just so universal, you know, that we immediately were excited by it. We started sitting down, and I remember – you know, playing out some melodies on the piano, right, right that day, and then before long, we had a produced, written production and involving. Well, it wasn't quite that easy. Well, that's but, true. But I, let's break that down, though. Remember my reaction after, you know, we the illustrations in the book, the by a Russian illustrator, 
Yes. And he portrayed a, a Calder's life. Calder, you know, that's where we, I think I, I mentioned that it was very theatrical and the fact that, you know, he, the story took place in New York City and in Paris and he went back and forth. So there was all, there was the Paris thing, there was the New York thing. In Paris, he hung out with the expatriates, you know, all of the famous people of the day, painters and authors and Josephine Baker, and we'll get to that later, and, you know, uh, Alice B. Toklas and, I don't know, other artists, you know, and uh, so I just, it, we we quickly established it was theatrical, and then you went over to the piano and started pounding out melodies, okay? That's mm -hmm. an important part of the story. Mm -hmm. And I heard these melodies, and I said to oh. you, I said, hey, Dustin, do you know any lyricists? Because <laughs> I think if you found a lyricist, you, you really have something. This all happened in real time very quickly. And then just as quickly as you know, after years of working with me, I... You know, I kind of think on my feet sometimes. It's just come to me uh, immediately. And I had this thought that, well, you know, I'm a writer. I've never written lyrics, but God knows. Yeah. Reviewing for 45 years, I know something about lyrics. Mm -hmm. So I said, well, what about me? I could write the lyrics. And then we were off. Then we were off. To the circus, as they say. Yeah. So yeah, right. because that, that's really what happened. My confidence in terms of the lyrics was not quite where, you know, where I wanted it to be. And I thought, oh my gosh, who am I going to, who would I find that could do this? And when you said that, it was just perfect. We should also let our audience know if they have it, you know, why they're listening to this. Just go to Google right now and put in Alexander Calder and you'll mm -hmm. discover that for those of you who don't know who he is, he was a sculptor. He was educated as an engineer, but along the way realized that, you know, that he should take up the family business because his father was a sculptor and his grandfather was a sculptor. In fact, his grandfather or his father did a sculpture as in University Park. Remember yeah. that? Yes. The one the, with the classical figures, Greek figures, the fountain. Right here in our backyard in Indianapolis. That's, that's I mean, they're all over the country. People yeah, don't even realize. Yeah. They're just everywhere. So Calder uh, initially was a sculpture. And uh, so after he got his engineering degree, his he first tackled his what he became known for originally were uh, circus. Uh, he had a circus, Sandy Circus. His nickname was Sandy. So you tell him about his circus, what he would do with that. So, yeah. He's mostly known for creating art that moved, right? One of the first artists to create art that moved, which is, lends itself perfectly to the stage, to dance. And, and we bring his art to life on stage is what we finally created. But the story of, of that, you know, the wire and pliers, and he would make little wire figures and have a suitcase, you know. And uh, well, when he was a child, he would, he would use wire and pliers to make characters and things. And then he just continued to do that when he'd make people's characters, their face in Paris and say, voila, and give them... He had this orange bike. And I mean, everything was just so whimsical. I mean, it almost reminds me of a Walt Disney character, but in a different way, right? A different artist. But that kind of imaginative, colorful story that and he would go to he would go to parties of famous friends in Paris and pull out his suitcase and lay out all of his figures <laughs> and his wife uh what was her name Louisa Louisa his wife would play the records 
circus theme music of some kind. I don't remember. Mm -hmm. Actually, there's a film of them at the Whitney Museum, which we've both seen. They, the Whitney in New York houses a lot of his stuff. And so he would pull these figures out his circ and do a little miniature circus and perform everything. And he would move all these to the trapeze, the clowns. And, you know, people loved it. It was so, again, you know, it was all very whimsical, but people would get sit down on the floor and they have cocktails and food and, <laughs> and, you know, he became really famous for this. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, and I related to that because when I was a kid, I, although I didn't use tools and things like that, <laughs> that would be, that would have been scary. Um, I love putting on little shows, you know, yeah. and that's, I think when I met you, that's one thing that you saw in me and that I saw in you. I, from when I was a kid, I would, I love putting on shows, producing, performing. Of course, I used to want to be the performer, you know, the star of the show. And then I, you know, I started playing piano and, and that changed. But I've always wanted to put on little shows and create the sets and the costumes. And, and Calder did that in a way with the circus. And I just thought that was so magical. And yeah. then when you and I met, I was able to kind of bring those things to life. Well, that's, you know, that's how we're different. I was not exposed to theater until I got into college and that just changed my life. But when I was little, I didn't play, I didn't put on shows. I played office. How <laughs> really? nerdy is that? <laughs> and restaurant. Oh, okay. Yeah, I would make little sandwiches with, out of sun sunbeam bread, and I would like put Coke bottle tops to make these little mess. So, anyway, were you the chef? Was, you were the chef. I was really a weird cat. Were you the server or the chef, or were you like the guest? Oh, I did the whole thing. Oh. maitre d, server, whatever. And then <laughs> I loved office. And my mom said when I was a little boy, I used to carry her old purse around. And people oh would stop gosh. me and ask me, what's in your purse? And she, and this, and she loved telling the story. I always <laughs> turned around. And she said, I was, always tell people, oh, there, it's, I have my important papers in here. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that makes me think of Sophia, <laughs> Sophia from the Golden Girls with her little purse, you know, has to have, you know, but what's yeah, in that purse? That was kind of, a, kind of an early Sophia. So we digress. So anyway, this all led to us, you know, I want to get to other stuff that we're doing, but... Suffice to say, you know, we um, we brought it to fruition. Tell them about what we did. I we, mean, we ended up writing, gosh, a, you know, a whole album of songs and and uh, some of the music that, you, that is a theme to this show. Well, we wrote the musical. Dustin, you created the lyric, or you created the music. You composed the music. I wrote the lyrics, and we co-wrote the book, and we fast-tracked it. The short version. Mm -hmm. We did a... We did a production at Indie Fringe in 2016, uh, one-hour production at the Indie Fringe Theater Festival, and then we did the full production the following January 2017, mm -hmm. and we expanded the show at that point. To a bigger, bigger production, yeah. I have to say that was just a magical time. I mean, I've always said to people that I don't think everybody gets this experience, but I hope that people out there pursue their passions like this, that... Anything, as you always tell me, you know, anything you want to make happen, you you can make happen. But Well, you know, here's the thing. We fast-tracked it in <clears throat> 16 months. Yeah. So is this a lesson in self-gratification or what? I was talking oh. about this. But I really want to give people kind of an insight into what our creative process was and what could happen, right? Uh, but there was a lot of people that supported us along the way. Oh, we were right? very, very lucky but to have I would, support. I remember sitting down. Let's share. You can share your process as a composer. So why don't you talk first about 
your process composing this music and how we work together? Oh man, that's people ask that question. It's it's sort of hard. Where I does think, the music come from? I, <laughs> that's often asked of composers and songwriters, and I. It's like I'm at the piano and I, I have the vision in my head and there's a scene where he's on a on a ship, right? That's the theme song, which I think you'll hear in the in this show we're gonna play. This is this the main theme of the show is called A Path to Follow. And um he's singing that on the ship as he's going off to pursue his dreams. And you know, I was picturing that in From my, New York to Paris. Yes, yes. And then I was I was seeing that in my mind and I just start tinkering with the melody and a path to follow. Of course, I wanted that to go up that melody, you know, because where all, did the melody come from? I don't. I think it was all that melody was kind of always in me somewhere, and I, I just, um, I had never really had a chance to a lot of these melodies to get them out there. And I was influenced by a lot of the Jewish composers. I grew up. My mom collected records, and I grew up listening to all the you know old musicals, Barry Manilow and. Um, Harvest Streisand and and all the the famous Broadway shows, you know, and so I think I had a lot of that old Broadway sound in my head. Gershwin, yeah, yeah, those were a you lot of talked my, about Alan Jewish, Menken, Jewish composers. Yeah. Love Alan Menken, um, just brilliant. Of course, all his success with Disney and everything. But you definitely, when you hear the score to Calder, I think you will definitely hear a lot of those those influences. It's not mm -hmm. Hamilton, that's for sure, mm -hmm. which I love. But um, it was but, a it was a I would say it was a romantic, uh, uh, old-style, traditional musical. Which fit because of the time period. Mm -hmm. um, Which was like the early 10s, 20s, 30s, 40s. Yeah. 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 So it was perfect. Um, Into but, his old age. And I think he died in the 70s, I think, if I'm not mistaken. But I will so, say, getting your lyrics in front of me, when I have the lyrics, it just kind of... That's when it at the piano, I can just soar out the music. But we... I don't remember exactly. I wish we would have kept records of it. You know, I tried to keep archives of what we did and all that, but I, it didn't go so far as like, you know, I like I wish I had kept, you know, it's not, this sounds like really self-serving, you know, that, you know, we should have kept all that stuff because who knows it could end up in the Smithsonian, <laughs> you know. But really, people like Michael Feinstein has kept, all these original pieces of paper that people wrote lyrics on. Yeah. So you never know. You never know. I have I'm some not... of that, I think, stored away. Well, but the the lyrics, you know, <laughs> I, did, I didn't go so far as writing stuff on paper napkins and stuff like that. But I do remember sitting in my dining room table at the time, and I was kind of under impression. I told you and announced it to everybody that I was writing lyrics for a musical. And so it's like, okay, what have I done? I've got, like, <laughs> you know, how am I going to get out of this? And there's no way. So I would sit down with a blank piece of paper. No, actually, not blank paper. I mean, my computer. And a, a, a blank document. And uh, I can't tell you what that was like. But, you know, I said, you know, in some of those cases... You had played me the music. That's true. It kind of, yeah, it was and kind of back and forth. a couple of other times, I gave you the lyrics. Yeah, I think it was more of you giving, writing the music, you playing it for me, and my going home. And did I, did you, did we record it on the phone? I think maybe we recorded it on the phone. Mm -hmm. I think so, yeah. So I would sit down 
Let's talk about the two different processes. So I would sit down, listen to your music, and be inspired to write the lyrics. And then... And then vice versa. And vice versa. Which I've read is how a lot of songwriting teams, yeah. that's how they work. And, and yeah. then... But I found for me that it was poetry. It was a form of poetry, and I'd never really written poetry. But I don't know, just because of... I've picked up so much osmosis over the years going to Broadway musicals and go, just musicals on Broadway and everywhere else. So, I mean, it's it's like in me that my memory of what I heard and what influenced me. And so I remember, um, and also lyrics. And so actually poetry came pretty easily to me. Rhyming. I wouldn't say poetry, but it is poetry. But rhyming. And, but I, I, it, and, and I know mm. the struggle, and I'm sure you've been there as a composer, finding the right note. Yes, and being we're both perfectionists, or this, you know, thinking, oh, has this has this been done before? Has this is this? Oh, that sounds like another song that I, you know, too derivative, right? <laughs> right, derivative. And with with rhyming, it came. I had to really let go of my training as a writer of what I kind of interviews and and reviews and television, all that kind of stuff that I've done, I had to loosen up and say, hey, there are no, you can, you can rhyme words that are silly. Don't worry about any of that. To quit second guessing, you know, all of that. Remember, this is a really playful character. I had to, I was like really, as you know, something like when you're an artist, you're really self-critical, you're harder on yourself than other people are. Don't you agree? Oh, absolutely. So I like labored and then I thought, oh God, that sounds lame <laughs> or that sounds silly. Oh, I can't use, but sometimes it was really struggle to find the right rhyme. Well, yeah, the, one of the songs in the show, Dance With Me, which has like a Latin influence sort of, I thought, oh my gosh, this sounds so cheesy and camp. I mean, it's a campy song, you know, but, but it worked. People, yeah. and people liked it. Hey, so. You know what? Let's, uh, let's take a break and give people like a little listen to what we did. I mean, right. like the priest and the pudding. So let's, uh, well, you know, we still have people who come back and they sing our theme song. So that's mm -hmm. cool, right? Mm -hmm. and, and, and we're going to tell you that this project, well, anyway, we'll leave that for later. But we, you know, we got kind of a great, a great announcement to make. But so uh, we brought some music to share. What's the first piece we're going to hear? So this is the first one is the opening of the show. Well, actually, we got to back up because the theme. You wrote the theme. Yay! The theme is a kind of a medley of what we uh -huh. heard of my show. Yes, with the fabulous Claudia Pauly. I mean, did you like that combination hearing? Oh, what, I love how it. Did, how did you like hearing your music as the theme of my show? It's just, it's so thrilling. And having her voice and then, and then you coming in and, um, and you, you know, you helped write that music. So it makes it very personal than just, you know, some sort of generic music, right? So. I mean, who gets to do this stuff, right? I mean, you know? <laughs> well, I always, I always say, I think I've told you, you know, I feel like if I was to die tomorrow, it's the fact that I was able to play the piano and play the score and then watch these actors and dancers dancing and singing your songs mm -hmm. on stage and seeing the audience react is just, it, it's just beyond and we any don't kind of wanna, high. I mean, and then... You know, okay, but let's go back to what are we hearing? Let's let's. Oh yeah, back. so so this is the opening uh, song of the show called "Calder: A Ton of a Man," which again, "A Ton of a Man" was a lyric you came up with, which was a great a great title. And uh, you know, it's the the traditional Broadway musical opening, setting up the scene and telling about 
the main character. And the and it takes place in a gallery of the yes. uh, of a retrospect of his work later in his life. And of course, people are in the museum looking at his work, and then of course, like any musical, they start and they singing and dancing. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't happen to the, okay. the Whitney lately, has it? Okay, let's let's uh, let's listen. You know, recently I hadn't listened to, and I'll share with our listeners what I had said to you. I hadn't 
you really were obsessed. You've been obsessed with getting this this musical, you know, taking it out of the mothballs and sharing it again. And you know, and I, I kind of you 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 know now, of course, I kind of like was not always as excited as you, but I didn't want to hurt your feelings. But at the same time, I finally admitted, it, said, well, you know, Dustin, I don't like my old work. I look through my fingers, like mm -hmm. my TV work. You know, I think, ooh, I, I like cringe. I'll probably do that with these podcasts, like if I'm still alive. <laughs> I, well, just, I don't like I, to watch myself on TV <laughs> or radio either. So. Well, I think that's probably a good idea. It means that we're not complete narcissists. Right. But anyway, so... But I tell you, I, I, I finally figured out how to work Bluetooth and it changed my life. So in my car, I can hear anything from the world. I mean, really, yeah. but that's a whole other podcast. But so I heard our music in my car driving around town and I saw our names on the monitor on the dashboard, you know, the digital. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, this is surreal. I mean, this is our work that we did in our living rooms, and then we had it recorded at a studio. And I mean, yeah. and hearing it, it changed my whole perspective. And I thought, wow, is it okay for me to like say to myself, this is pretty damn good? Oh, wow. well, and we, you know, we had a bunch of momentum. We were exploring it, getting it beyond Indianapolis. And then what happened? Well, COVID. COVID happened. Well, not exactly. A little bit after that. Not exactly. Well, yeah, that happened eventually. And I mean, theater shut down and so for two or three was, years. You know, if you recall, uh, it was expensive to produce, but we had we had incredible support. We had, we had, and I'll, we'll give her credit, I had it not been for philanthropist Marianne Glick. Yes. We went to her to ask her if she would support our show and... We went there filled with nerves, remember? Wondering, oh, gosh, she's going to now think this is lame. Yeah, who are these two people? Good luck, but here, here's a check for like 50 bucks, and that'll be that. And she whips out her purse after we do this big this big spiel, and she writes a check for $10,000. I mean, we were like, our miles dropped. And I think when we left there, we were like numb. So thank you, thank you, thank yes. you, thank you to this day, Marianne Glick. She kind of launched us. She's a wonderful artist herself. Oh my gosh, her visual Which is, art was a is well, she probably loved the still, topic. Oh, exactly. So um And Pauline Moffat, who also helped well, guide us. Pauline at the Moffat, Indie French, I took the idea to her, hey, we want to do this musical. And I took my legal pad with me and started taking notes and she went down the list of all the things that she, we had to do. You need to start a company. You need to do this. I'll help you get a pro bono attorney. I love the idea of the, of this musical. You can do it here at Fringe. And we went, we followed all her steps. So yeah, Pauline is a big, big, big influence. So um, anyway, I was listening to the music in my car and that's when I came to you. I said, okay, Dustin, I get it now. Yes, we need to bring Calder back. And we talk loosely about how to do that. And what we came up with is a concert version. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about that. Let's share that, what we've decided. Yes. Well, a full production, obviously, we could always do again in the future, but it's very expensive. But um, a lot of times these new shows are doing concert versions of the songs and we never did have a full orchestration I and mean, we had a vocal piano orchestration but we had never we still have not 
orchestrated. We all, we both had dreams of hearing an orchestra play the music, you know, strings and horns, horns. And yeah. So we're now looking at doing that. And 2025, yep. we have a goal of doing a concert version. Getting it arranged for orchestra. Of Calder. Yeah. 18, 19 pieces. Which would be thrilling. And uh, who knows beyond that? Finding a good size, medium uh, music hall, a place built for music. And there are three or four places that we're thinking about. And finding maybe 10 to 12 singers. And with the beautiful projections that we had to put on that great artist. Oh, by the way, we need to mention that we had a really incredibly talented illustrator artist, Ben Dobler. He's a genius. He is now like, you know, on the staff of the Palladium. At the time, he was making his way, his name, working locally at the Phoenix Theater and other places. But he had a reputation for if you want a good projection or someone who creates projections and does sound. He's the guy. We couldn't use anything because of licensing, photos of Calder or anything. like. We really were careful to cross our T's and dot our I's. And we actually secured a, an entertainment attorney, Robert Midas, who is uh, one of the very few copyright attorneys who specializes in entertainment law. And he guided us through the whole way because the Calder Foundation, the whole family, uh, they pay special attention to people uh, using his work for their own benefit without going through the foundation or through legal channels. So anyway, our, uh, our artists created Calder's world that came from our script. And she also created images of his work, but in a way did not copy anything exactly. It was an impression. So that's where we were able to, and we were able to use Calder, the name, because I don't remember the particular legal ramifications, but it was in the public domain. Yeah. So we had a right to use his name. And those images, those projections will add so much. But yeah, it's just And they were exciting. animated. They were yeah. kind of they not animated completely, but they have movement. Mm-hmm. And it, we should thank all those people. We had so many talented. We had Marielle Greenlee do our choreographer. People that helped she make was, all this happen. She was a big. She was a principal dancer with Dance Kaleidoscope. Mm-hmm. Uh, who, who else? All of the cast, the, the different um, Logan Moore, actors. who played the lead yeah. Calder, has gone off to New York City, and Katie Schumann, who played his wife Louisa. I saw her recently in a concert version of Gregory Hancock's uh, oh. uh, Frida. Frida Kahlo. And we'd be recasting this new version. Mm-hmm. And Mitchell Ray, who played the young Calder, mm-hmm. when he left our our oh, yes. French show, he went off to play um, uh, to play Peter in Finding Neverland and across the country uh, in that show, Finding Neverland about P- the Peter Pan. And, uh, uh, and we recently, we'll talk about that too, we'll talk about him coming back to the theater to join you and me and we all oh. appeared together in a production, but yeah, okay. So we will over the course of the next year, you'll be hearing more details. We'll be sharing more details about Call to the Musical, the concert version. So it looks like we're going into production mode. You know, it since I out. since I have my own show, I can talk about whatever I want to, and I want to. I want you to give a shout out because I've come to. Uh, you know, I've I've come to really 
I think I think we have a closeness because of you. It certainly your parents. Mm-hmm. Give them a shout out and what oh. they've done for you because they'll be hearing this, of course. Of course. And your mom will post it. <laughs> And she will tell all of her friends, and she'll tell all of her friends that come to our show, too. Right. right. Well, I mentioned that, you know. Sherry Klein Sherry, and Marvin Sherry. Klein. Sherry, so Sherry yes. I know you're listening. You better get those butts in the seats like you usually uh, do. <laughs> well, she does. She, uh, as I said earlier that I grew up, she has a record collection. She owns like a thousand records or something. Vinyl. Yeah, and she's got them all organized. And But she used to play all those old records, and I would hear the music as a kid, and then I would I say, oh, I want to be able to play that. And she bought me my first piano, paid for lessons from my, an old cousin I had who, who taught piano for years. He was a, a character. And then um, they've just been so supportive of I always tease my you because you're an only child and I tell them they spoil you. They give you like 20 Christmas presents I, every year. I know. <laughs> they, I'm just jealous. Because I come from a family of nine and, you know, yeah. anyway. Well, now they have the dog, so they push that in the stroller and spoil the dog. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they've been, whether it's my personal life, uh, my lifestyle, you know, my, my you know, orientation or my work, they've just been really, really supportive. So I'm very lucky in that way. Yeah. So let's. So talk- right now we have yeah. Broadway's Bad Girls. Yes. Let's, let's, <laughs> talk, let's, let's talk about Broadway's Bad Girls. I'll let you, I'll let you share about well, that. This is another example of a show that we both envisioned and we get to see it come to life. Um, gosh, I mean, we would, we usually do our, our fall drive down to Brown County. And every time we do that drive, we, we come up with, it must be the, the leaves or something. We come up with some new crazy idea. Um, it's become a tradition. Yeah. But this last, well, two years ago, I guess that would have been, right? Two years ago? Yeah. we. What I love is it's, it's intentional. We work yeah. that way. Okay, okay. we're going to use this time. time together in a car to brainstorm. <laughs> well, and I said to you, I said, you know, I've always wanted to do a cabaret, because I guess we should jump back into the after call where we started Magic Thread Cabaret, which was- Yeah, a, because uh, we wanted to work together and do something creative. And I, yes. I love cabaret. And we both love cabaret. You love cabaret. Yeah. So- Anyway, I said, I've always wanted to do a cabaret of villain characters, um, especially the female characters. And I think it would be so fun because everybody loves a villain, you know, and there's so many great ones. Miss Hannigan and Ursula and um, Chicago cell block, the murders yeah. of Cook County. And I'd never really seen Corella a ca- DeVille. Yeah, I'd never seen a cabaret of female villain little Vignette, vignettes, little yeah. scenes. Yeah. So I had some title that was a little. This is scared. podcast world. We don't worry. We can <laughs> say words like, go ahead. Well, yeah, me. I think I said to you, I think we should call it like the bitches of Broadway or something. And you said, well, um, let's do maybe Broadway's bad girls. And I thought, well, that has a ring to it. And, yeah. uh, and then we, you know, you start giving suggestions of, of some scenes. I think we would have got a little pushback if we used Broadway's bitches, but, you know, it's just me. I mean, so. maybe we want it to be a family. General, kids, yeah, family kids to come family, to the show. Right, so. Family, family, yeah. But, of course, today, I don't know. That yeah. probably doesn't mean anything. Yeah, they title, can see but. anything they want on their iPhone. Exactly. So, anyway, go on. But, anyway, we you started suggesting some other villain scenes that I had not even thought of, like Rose from Gypsy, a blast. Gypsy and things like that. and. Norma Desmond from mm-hmm. uh, 
uh, Sunset Boulevard. And we've just got we've got a villain for everybody in this show, and it's just. It's funny, although it's not necessarily supposed to be funny. It's it's funny in a in an evil way. I guess we were, there was a little <laughs> concern about how women, if women yeah. might, we we had a little concern that how would women that were we were presenting all these caricatures and we were like, yeah, uh, for sure. you know, we we you always have to be concerned about your audience. It's it's a tricky thing. You don't want to be, you don't want to second guess your audience, but you have to be aware for marketing reasons all kinds of reasons but mm-hmm. uh the feedback that we got after the first show uh you know we got i heard we heard that women really loved it because you know the women actually all come off as powerful and independent and outspoken yes you know it shows them as strong and they don't they don't like take any Dub from anybody, especially men. <laughs> well, he had it coming, right? I mean, you know, he deserved. <laughs> and by the way, we have we have one male in the show. He's an MC, the wonderful Gemini Turner. Mm-hmm. He's like not only literally like he's like well, he's a, he's a straight guy, meaning in in the comedy parlance. All these women, yes, he reacts he gets, to these he, women. And they abuse him. Right. So, <laughs> it's, right. And he just reacts to them. And, you know, in fact, uh, I'm going to give a shout out to Jay. Jay is the floor director here at uh, Channel 8, where, you know, where this podcast studio is. And, you know, the show I do, Lifestyle Live, he's the floor director. And I discovered him. Yes. Well, actually, he'd done some theater. But, you know, when he found out that, you know, that I, that, that we had a company, he approached me and, you know, we we became friends and I took him under my wing and I, we cast him in the show. So it's important to talk about Jay and these women and, mm-hmm. you know. So now we've made it bigger and better. I want the audience to know that, you know, because we did it at Fringe in mm-hmm. August and it was luckily again in the top, top five show. I, it's we been amazing. We sold out three, sh- although it was just a small theater, but nevertheless, we could yeah. say it was a sellout. Oh, well, yeah. We we had just at that point, there was only one show that didn't sell out. And there was a reason why it would have, except for it it doesn't matter. You know, theoretically, we sold out. It's it's uh, this show is different in that we've added songs and and production numbers. And we've, you know, it's like anything you you do a show and then you what's fun is you can know what to tweak and what worked and didn't work. You know, I, I wish to heck that we could share some of the music from all the cabarets that we've done. Oh, my gosh. We we need to talk. But, you know, let's uh, let's let's take a moment and share. Uh, another piece from Calder, and uh, uh, and which which what would that be? So this is the theme song um, called "A Path to Follow," and I it's the anthem. Yeah, the anthem of the show. And uh, Calder sings this on the on the boat scene I was talking about, and it just really touches people. I I it's just such an inspiring lyric, and I think the melody really made people feel something. So I hope the audience enjoys it. Sleeping on the deck of a ship on the ocean, a faraway trip. 
A glorious sight I beheld upon waking, a vision sublime, my breath it was taking. On the right I beheld a fiery red sunrise, on the left a silver moon that dazzled my eyes. A path to follow, a goal for living, my dreams a path to follow, no matter how hard it seems. At that moment I searched my soul, remembering a time I felt whole. Recalling my childhood delight, letting reverie take flight. I felt lost in misery falling until I embraced my true calling. A path to follow, I mean to reach for my dreams, a path to follow, no matter how hard it seems. Chase my passion with drive and nourish my desire to thrive. Trust my instincts and honor my truth. Reclaim the courage I had in my youth. Refuse to let others dismiss and defy me. To live a life filled with purpose, you'll see. A path to follow. It's time to reach for my dreams, a path to follow, no matter how hard it seems. Now my mission is clear, banish fear, bring on cheer, to fill the world with wonder and joy, and hope to the young. To follow a path to follow a path to follow I'm off to live my dreams Dustin as you as you know, we couldn't continue discussing the anatomy of making a musical without, you know, again, talking about all the people involved who supported us and helped us. And uh, I would be remiss if I didn't talk about our dear friend, uh, Marianne uh, Williamson Tobias, the classical pianist, board of trustee for the Indianapolis Symphony Orchestra, writer, program notes, uh, author of for the symphony, Marianne. We're so honored that she agreed to be our de facto musical consultant, <laughs> and I, I really want to share with our listeners what that was like. We we took our music to her home to share our score with her. Oh, jeez, and, and I was we, a nervous wreck. And we sat together at uh, her one of her two grand pianos <laughs> in her home. 
and uh, she sat nearby, uh, and we our backs were to her. You played, and I and we. Uh, I sang. We both we sang together. We crooned the songs out. Yeah, we sang. Like we so, used to do so, all the time. So you you finish painting the picture. Oh my gosh! Well, <laughs> here I am. You know, I mean, I was trained classically on, as a pianist myself, but Marianne was not. You know, the, the show the show tune queen, right? So <laughs> I'm thinking, oh my gosh, this is not Beethoven. She's going to be like, what is this? Anyway, I we played the songs and. It's funny. She would hear little things and go, fix that, fix that. Um, <laughs> but she, we, after a path, I think it was a path to follow, the song you just heard. Yeah, we turned over. She, we turned around and she was like, was she crying she or something? She had tears. Tears were coming. And, and uh, it was she magical. really respected the music and what we had done. And and, and then, she made a gift later yeah. on for us to pay to have it. The score done. The, the score done on paper. And then we took her to lunch and presented it with her. It was magical. It was like uh, 85 pages of music. And, you know, to have her imprimatur, you know, for it to pass the test for someone like her, she mm. would never have done that. So, you know, that, that gave us, you know, I don't, you're, of course you're insecure when you do. And then, you know, we did get a few catty people. Remember that one time we asked someone, well, did you see our show? And what did you think about it? Wrong question for this right. particular issue. Well, it's a work in progress. <laughs> and you remember how upset I got? Oh, I was oh. too. I, but you know, when you put your, when it, I, people don't realize whenever you put your art out there, you have to yeah, be ready. Yeah, but then you also, as you, you and I have learned, you can't, you have to have a thick skin because well, they're, you're going to hear it. People have their opinions. I mean, it even Hamilton, shows thing. that have been, performers have been so successful People leave Hamilton and say, oh, I hated that. You know, and if, if you wrote it, you would well, think. I'm a reviewer. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Hello. So who knows better than I how, you know, someone's opinion, yeah. if, if they have any kind of influence. And I'm not saying that I'm like this great arbiter of wisdom because I just, this is my opinion, my truth. And that's how, the way you should look at it, what reviewers have to say. But, you know. Switching hats and then putting my work out there was it? Oh, yes, God, it was, I remember was, that was hard. It was harrowing. It was sure. harrowing. What are people going to like? You know, am I going to be? You know, that's all insecurity, insecurity, insecurity. But well, and you and I have talked about when you review, you did a good, you do a good job of this, trying to find the positive. Yeah. You know, in a in a piece of art, because yeah, but that, that that has its drawbacks too. Yes. Then you become the oh, he's so nice. Well, you want yeah. You, <laughs> You can be constructive, but yeah. people don't. I don't. I don't think the everyday person knows the amount of work and tears and, and that's why it goes into any show. I mean, so I, that's why I want this podcast to be effective, so people can, can you know, open up the curtains to see the wizard behind mm. what you know behind the scenes, what it takes. You know, and I mean, some shows on Broadway that. Two years are spent, and then it lasts for a month or two, and then it's gone. I mean, it's just it's just people don't realize, wow, the amount of sweat and tears that went into that. And and I, I maybe some people do, but I I hope that people will continue to find the positive in in anything that. Let's talk about our mission. Every not for profit or business usually has you know what is your stated mission? What is the reason for your existence? And you know when we start our company. We we came up with well exactly why are we doing this? What is our motive? So let's talk about our mission. Most important, yeah. yeah. Well, I think we both agree that there's so much talent in Indianapolis 
in the Indianapolis area that, you know, everyone says, oh, well, they, the tour is from, it's the New York tour that's in town. Okay, well, I mean, that's great. But there's a lot of talent here. I mean, I've seen shows here with talent that's just as good as New York or Chicago or wherever. So, you know, I think a lot of people are not discovered or they don't have the stage or the spotlight to to show their talent. And so you and I said, well. Or the connections. Yeah, yeah. And or the said, luck. <laughs> yeah. We said, let's do a cabaret that features local talent that's affordable for people to experience the art form because not everybody can pay $70 you a ticket. To go to the big guys. Yeah. Um, and, you know, our our goal was not to bring in Broadway people. It was to focus on some local talent. And then we also a diverse, show, diverse talent. We too. also showcase a few artists who are from here, went to New York, made their mark, and we brought them back for homecomings. That was cool. That was. Yes. Yeah. But just, Corey Langner, for one, five Broadway shows. Melissa Schott, another New York performer. So. And a lot of our cabarets, whether it's Cabaret Latino that we did, Le Chanteuse, which is the African-American Diversity. tribute to divas, the Jewel Box Review, which is the story of the first, one of the America's first drag troops, which is a fascinating story. I, I still, I also they were called to do more female impersonators back in the day. Yes. Yeah. And I think all those I, shows we've done, we do, one, we just, of, yeah. one of the things I'm most proud of is the fact that as part of our our mission statement, you know, we had we had help with our marketing at the time and. And I'll give a shout out to Shannon Sampson, who suggested, you know, we wanted to incorporate the fact that, you know, we paid our artists, you know, stipends. Mm, yes. We, it was very important for us to pay. I mean, certainly not the marketable rate that if you were working professionally that you would receive, but it was still, it was more than just a token too. It was a, a way for us to demonstrate that we valued artists' time and talent. And that they was they were worthy of compensation. There's plenty of community theater where avocational actors do it for free, but we we consciously also want to make a statement about everyone knows that it's hard for creatives to make a living, period. But in a market like Indianapolis, the people who want to advance have to go to Chicago or New York. And everybody from our customer to our stage managers to not just the performers, Everyone but we've, paid. we've always paid everybody. And we yeah. call, I guess what, what I wanted to say is that Shannon coined this term, which is great. I've not heard it, but it works. It's income building. And uh, I don't know if I've ever told you the story about how after one of our shows, I think it was Broadway's Leading Ladies that we did at French one year, one of the actors posted uh, the day that she got a check from us for her work on that. And she posted how uh, she didn't name the show, but she said, I just did a gig and I got my check for it. And I was able to buy groceries to put in my refrigerator. And, you know, she she expressed how grateful she was that, you know, she was able to do what she loves, but be able Mm -hmm. to like have money to, you know, to feed herself. And that really brought home about the impact that we were truly having. It was more than just like a couple of guys putting on shows that we mm-hmm. really could in our own small way. And, you know, yeah. it sounds like we're patting our own backs. But since we are artists ourselves, I think we have a real understanding of what makes <laughs> artists tick. And we always paid them first. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, we sure did that too, at our own expense. But, you know, 
I mean, it didn't feel good to be able to give those people checks. Yeah, so you, I mean, you would write these notes. It, yeah, yeah. And the audiences, you know, obviously our aim is to to inspire and bring art to the audiences too. But yeah, I never thought about that. The audiences and the performers and, and everybody, yeah. And, and you know, also we have to talk about one thing I did as we're tooting our horns. And I'm so proud of the fact that we partnered with uh, Casey Ross's company, Catalyst Repertory. Let's talk about that experience mm. last year. That was streetcar named desire. My return to the theater, the stage <laughs> after twenty year hiatus. <laughs> yeah, streetcar named desire, a wonderful production that that Casey directed, and there's so much talent in that cast, and I was honored to be part of it. I, when they, of course, you brought it up to my attention. Well, can you again? Can you compose some themes for? This masterpiece play, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, that was intimidating. But Casey's anyway, concept was to have live music. Yeah. The original production back in the 40s, I believe it was the 40s, they, uh, they did have live music. And subsequently, you know, like in a movie score, but they really were pioneers, the production way back then. And it was really, really magical and to, then we gave, to do. God, Channel 8 is just filled with talent. Courtney, Courtney... Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Wiggins, who discovered. is a, a producer here on All in Indiana. It was Jay who I saw in the studio. I said, our, one of our actors dropped out, a singer. And I, I'm like, desperate. Do you know anybody? He says, I'll think about it, Tom, and I'll hmm. give you a text in a few hours. And sure enough, he texted me the name of Courtney Wiggins. And he's like, she's a co-worker. She called me within an hour. We met for coffee a few days later. And with a week to go, she stepped in. She was so lovely to work with. And she was the New Orleans, you know, torch singer. Yeah. And I played and, and I wrote all those themes. What were some of the songs that she sang? Oh, gosh. Cry Me a River, mm-hmm. Stormy Weather, mm-hmm. you know, all those kind of song, torch songs that related to the theme of the play. But then I, I did some themes for the characters and that kind of thing, like instrumental scoring and that piano scoring and that was uh that was fun but yeah i i think that that was that was a highlight of you know we've year. been mentioning all these entities like Planet alvarez productions but just just want to explain that that is the umbrella company it's mm-hmm. for profit but we have two brands it's called the musical and we have uh magic the cabaret and our fiscal sponsor allows us to solicit not-for-profit dollars so if anybody wants to donate to our cause they can find us at climbingalvarez.com and there's a donate button and you can make safe secure donations to you know to our mission and fractured atlas is what it's called it's a new york membership organization that pauline moffitt suggested uh, that allows us to not have to go through all the paperwork and maintain a 501c3 but you know we get to use them and they are a 501c3 dustin what are the uh what are the dates and the times for broadway's bad girls let's just do a little oh, yeah. commercial plug yeah coming up in a couple of weeks uh we're at the district theater on mass ave and the what main, are the dates, main stage yeah the dates are march 7th through the 10th thursday night thursday so. night at 7 30 saturday night 7 30 or friday night 7 30 and then we have a sunday matinee at three o'clock mm-hmm. so four shows 
and that's it. You got yeah. four shows to get to, and and I I tell people it, you'll definitely be entertained. Let's talk about the performers and the musicians. Hmm. Well, individually, okay. Let's give them a shout out. Yeah, Anne Stout, um, who's just so funny and wonderful, great belter voice. She plays Miss Hannigan and does Norman Desmond. Um, and also Worst Pines in London from Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, we have Jalen Keating. Yep. Who does... Uh, Ball State. Defying Musical Gravity. theater student. Wonderful talent. She does Defying Gravity, Gorilla DeVille, great singer and dancer. And Marlena... Haig. Haig, who is also doing the villain from Matilda and Rose from Gypsy. And then we've got... We had a fourth girl that... Because of some vocal surgery, couldn't do this round. So I, I think I had said to Tom, we had said to each other before this. This is my idea. Give me credit. Okay. Okay. Well, <laughs> you're right. I kind of, when I came up with the idea of the show, actually, in my head, I kind of thought of seeing all four. You always say that. Four men. I saw, I saw four men doing this, actually. Okay. But, but it's, it's, it's good as it is. But we knew a great guy named Jim Melton, Madison Avenue. Who had been in our drag. In our. Uh, in our female. box review. Yeah. Yeah, and he was fabulous. He was, and very funny. And I, we thought, what if we twist, give this a twist this time, and, and made one of the girls, yeah, a man, like a, a man, mm-hmm. a, an impersonator. <laughs> I, I always wonder how fa- you know quickly the audience will realize after the opening number, <laughs> but maybe they won't. That's the fun part. But. Well, he's uh, he's an actor. Mm-hmm. He, he pulls it off, and we chose him because he's a triple threat. Oh yeah, and he's totally believable. And he brought down the house when we did it at Indie Fringe. So but our musicians, we've got great musicians. We've got a great team of, our, of people. Our musicians are always, we, we hire pros, people mm-hmm. who are well-known. Cabaret Latino, for instance, they're all the musicians that you know from the jazz kitchen. So that's the quality. I want people to know that our performers may be avocational and not full-time equity well we've also had equity people in our companies yeah and at great expense but we cast them because we and they were local of course but we always take great pains that we consider ourselves professional although it's you know technically semi-professional but our musicians are certainly pro you're a pro well, thank you. You too. Talk, I mean, talk about what you what you do for a day job. Well, so I, for about twenty five years now, well, twenty three years, I guess, I've taught music. Uh, I went to college for music education, so that's my day job, you know. And uh, where? Oh, <laughs> that might be important. So I was at the Orchard School for twenty years and directed plays and musicals and choirs there. And then now I'm at Carmel at West Clay Elementary, directing music and and theater there. So I've been very lucky to be at two great schools and I learned so much in all those years. You got a great project coming up. Talk about it. So yeah, we're doing Willy Wonka Jr. as our as our uh musical there. Because Wonka the film just came out. You know, you know, the kids are all excited about it. Um and that I don't know how I do all that on top of what we do. People are like, are you crazy? Um it's probably why I look like I've aged twenty years, but how old are these I kids? like to stay active. How old so. are these kids? Oh gosh, these will be fifth graders, and for a lot of them, this is their first time on the stage in a play, in a musical. So mm. it's neat to see. It'll I should add that see. I've seen a lot of your work over the years <laughs> when you were at Orchard. I regularly went to your fourth grade musicals mm-hmm. and your seventh grade musical. Oh yes, and there were some of the, my best moments in the theater because I wasn't working. Number one, I didn't review. <laughs> I goodness. just went and I. 
I always told you this. I love them so much because the kids were so guileless, innocent, and uninhibited. They hadn't been marred by right. by society to the point where they hardened and became adults. Yeah. You know, and it's just it was magical. Then magical. everything to them and that is just it's all imaginative and exciting and so and I'm looking you, forward to it. And you also invited me to address a couple of your classes and talk about what I do and that was just mm. I loved that. I, I loved it so much. There's the questions they asked. Well we'll have to do that again. Yeah. Well I I mean I you know, I, I I've always been uh I've always loved mentoring people and uh yeah, I just got definitely. to know our producers, uh Alan Hall's son, Andre, who is in show uh -huh. choir at Franklin. And I'm looking forward to uh, you know, helping him in any way I can, just kind of share my experience. Well, I've learned a lot from you. I want to thank you. I mean, whether it's well, the business side, well, first of I, all. You know, and the business side I knew nothing about. And yeah. and also producing in general. I would say producing. I mean, I you know, that takes a lot of and conversely, expertise. I have sharpened my knowledge of music. You mm -hmm. know, I I wasn't trained anywhere close to where you were. I mean, I sang in choruses and studied musical theater, and I can read music to an extent. But you've taught me a lot, of, and it's helped me as a writer. You know, I have vocabulary now that I didn't have before. Oh, yeah. I don't write for musicians, but at the same time, it can be really intimidating. And, you know, I didn't want to write about classical music for a long time. Until I met Marianne and became friends with her, and she wrote a book about a, a book about classical music for beginners, and I taught myself by reading her program notes. Oh, oh yes, I don't. I think maybe hmm, I didn't yeah. remember that story. So this turn that your life took after you met me, I asked you this question the other day: if we hadn't met each other, it, we've both been blessed because of the experience, right? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I look back at the last, how many years of it, would we say? Eight years? Yeah, eight years. <laughs> you know, most uh, companies go down the tubes after three years. And the I fact know. that we've got this far. And well, we've had so much support. But I think that we've... And you know, that's the thing. Turned that, that way. Yeah, we've yeah. tried to. We have some of the most important names in Indianapolis who back us. Mm -hmm. You know, that's no small thing. And I like to think that, you know, fundraising is all about relationships, developing relationships. And I think your skills as a teacher mm -hmm. certainly contribute to that. You create a lot of goodwill in the community. And I well, like and you to too. I mean, with everything you're, you're writing and, and supporting the arts, I think, too, over the years. I mean, it's just I mean, incredible. I think I think. I think people react to the chemistry that we have. I think you know it's it's funny when we first started. We have to talk about our age difference because there's a thirty year difference. I'm seventy six. Are you able to tell your age, or are you going to hide it? <laughs> well, it depends on the day. Uh, <laughs> Embrace it. So yeah, I'm I'm forty five. Okay, yeah, you're still young. So you always need to keep me keep it in perspective. Okay, well, you know. Well, and, and look, look, I'm a youthful. See, look what you have to look forward to. Well, but yeah, but I complain more than you do. So <laughs> when I'm your age, I'll be like, I'll be miserable to be around. Well, see, I always tell people the reason the age difference works because you're an old soul and mm -hmm. I'm a youthful. Uh, I'm not quite an octogenarian, but I'm getting there. Anyway, <laughs> um, we, you know, we'll probably 
I don't know. We'll probably uh, continue to brainstorm on those yearly trips to Brown County, Brown mm-hmm. County, God willing. But in the meantime, you know, um, I think it's been just a really wonderful journey, and I can't see, I can't wait to see what lies yeah, ahead. You have to how, think about that. How, how do you? Um, well, Calder, of course, yeah, Calder. we talked about, but who knows what else we and, have to... And, and the short term, uh, Broadway's Bad Girls, right? Maybe we'll write another musical. Well, you know, we've <laughs> talked. We, we've thrown some ideas around. We talked about, like, Josephine Baker, mm-hmm. you know, because that's... that. And he was Calder's inspiration. I've always been fascinated by her He would go life. to see her perform, and he actually created some mobiles of her likeness, which are very famous. And we actually, remember we went to Washington, D.C. and saw those in an exhibit, a Calder exhibit. Remember that? Oh, yeah. And we've done that a couple of times. We've gone to see his work various places. I think I don't think you went with me to the Whitney. Did you ever make it to Whitney to see I his did. miniature circus? I did see it. Yes, yes. It was it was really and, and you know people moody. would anytime people would go anywhere in this country and see Calder stuff, they would always think of us and they would send post pictures. Us, yeah, know, send pictures and <laughs> you know he's his book now is in two volumes. You know, I I admit I've not gotten through the first one. I don't know when I'm going <laughs> to. It's a do long it. book. Oh my god. <laughs> But, I mean, he's got an incredible life. I mean, what a movie that would make. It would it's make got a great all one. the elements. Well, do we own the rights to this? Yeah, we, 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 could, we could make a, we could advertise Well, that's it on my film. bucket list. I've always wanted to produce a film. But, so, uh, how would you, I, I, I'd like to leave with this, you know, I, this, you know, some people may think that's such a cliche, but I like asking this question because I'm interested. How do you want to be remembered, Dustin Klein? Hmm. That's a great question. Well, I hope that I'll be remembered as someone that contributed my talents musically and theatrically to audiences. And I hope I'm able, well, now because of Calder, I'm able to leave something. That's what's neat about what we do is what you create can live beyond you, right? Mm-hmm. Your time on earth. And we got that with the Library of Congress now, and it's notated, and people can always perform those you songs. You get it on Spotify, Amazon, Well, iTunes. I guess the, the recordings live on too, right? Uh-huh. So, yeah. So, and I affected children, you know, which yeah. I've done now for 23 years. I know I've well, influenced I know, a ton of those kids. Well, I know, because when I go out in the public with you, you're always some some parents coming up to you. I know. I try to hide behind a closed rack. That's, you know, that's so cool. I like being around that to see that attention that they, you know... Yeah, there are a lot of... Well, those kids are now adults, some of them, right? Yeah, they're starting to be, yes. And sooner or later, you get used to it, you're gonna, they're going to have their, their kids. They're oh, gonna I know. introducing you to their kids. Well, I was your age when I was in, you know, <laughs> his play of whatever. He, you even did Calder. You did with, a with kids at, this, at Orchard, yeah. Yeah, they were in that. I forget that. The, the children's production I did, yeah, with yeah. the songs and everything. Yeah, but what is this piece that we're going to hear as we sign off on this show today? Well, so at, at the end of his career, he started creating bigger pieces, um, mobiles and stables. The mobiles move in the wind, right? Yeah. Pieces of art that moved in the wind. And so this is called the mobile. Well, they came before, before the, the stables. three-story sculptures, yeah. But this one is a called the mobile ballet. Yeah, and he invented... Mobiles. So what you That's see, right. for those who don't know what we're talking about, mobiles are those whimsical things that hang in your baby's cribs mm-hmm. with pieces of metal or plastic attached to wire, and they move. 
So we had the dancers in a ballet and they were the art that was moving. Mm -hmm. And so I sort of pictured an impressionistic kind of piece, like a WC kind of piece. And I had never written a classical piece, actually. This is, this is probably the most classical piece, I would say, of, of you the know, score. Every, every time I hear it, because I didn't, you know, you it's you, it's not me. My lyrics, are, there aren't any lyrics. It's an instrumental. And it truly is moving. Uh, it's one of the pieces that I think a lot of people, I you know, to this day, it has an emotional quality. And even when we visited a sound a producer who records and who's an artist himself, he complimented you on the piece. And I don't mm. know if you remember that. Tim Brickley, who owns uh, His City. Remember mm -hmm. when we went mm -hmm. over there? Yes, it was very nice. To record the opening for the show. And shout out to Tim yeah. for his part in, in uh, the show. You know, that compliment... I know from my perspective that that was uh, that was that was uh, coming from him. You know, you should be very proud oh, of he's that. He's such a nice person. Yeah, and yeah. so this it has an innocence to it, mm -hmm. but also sort of a dreamy magic to it. Yeah. And uh, okay, let's sign off with the Mobile Ballet from yeah. Calder the Musical.
Is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to say? Oh gosh, man, I think I think that you asked, you know, great questions. It was nice to share a lot of our work and memories. I mean, we haven't really done that for people to hear, like you said. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a real gift. And, you know, I'm grateful to our producer, Alan Hall, and I'm grateful for All Indiana Podcast Network because this is a really great platform. Not many people have the opportunity like I have to showcase the arts and to um, highlight uh, artists and, again, what makes them tick. So hopefully this is... having me on. I mean, the guests you've had have been amazing. So yeah. Well, we have a lot to look forward to. So, again, thanks for being here. And All right. I'm sure we'll run into each other sooner or later. <laughs> yeah. Like tech rehearsals start like <laughs> that, Monday. That's, we'll be there. The bell's on. Yeah. That's, that's, I'm sure I'll see you soon. Who will take center stage on the podcast next? Your seat on the aisle with Tom Alvarez awaits. Follow Tom on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And make sure to visit TomAlvarez.studio. Watch Tom every other Thursday on Lifestyle Live on Wish TV. And make sure to listen every week here on the All Indiana Podcast Network.